everyday witches emerge from the shadows of secrecy. Broom closets are flinging open and witches are taking flight. Whether you are hiding in your cozy closet or flying with pride, stay for a spell as witch casting with Theodora Pendragon and her guests share magical moments, stir the cauldron and debunk misinformation and misconceptions about paganism, witches and our wonderful world of magic. Hello, Theodore Pendragon here, and today we have a special guest, Rosemary, who's an astrologer. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about being an astrologer and what that's like. And I understand that you live in North Carolina. I live just outside of Asheville, North Carolina. I don't have an Asheville address. I actually live in the next county north, and I live deep in a holler, and it's pretty awesome and magical out here, and I love it. But the thing is, in Asheville, like, being an astrologer is, like, a normal thing you could say. Like, I could just say that, and nobody would bat an eye. Um, But where I live, I don't think my neighbors know that. I also do a lot of other things. Like, uh, my husband runs a construction business, and I work a lot in his construction business just doing stuff. Not construction, but other stuff for the business. But I also teach yoga, so that's, that's a little more socially acceptable thing to say in, I guess, like, super Christian circles where I find myself, where I live, because I have small kids too. Anyway, and so to get along with the neighbors, I don't really like go around saying I'm an astrologer that much, but that is a big part of what I do. My business is called Yogi Scopes, which is like yoga horoscopes. So what I do is I talk about current astrology and I'm also, so I'm a yoga teacher. I've been a yoga teacher for years. But I'm in the process of becoming a yoga therapist, which is like a four-year-long process. And I'm entering, this is my fourth year of it. Um, So I'll actually finish up with all the practicum requirements in next, like, January or so. Anyway, I've been doing that for a long time, so I can't call myself a yoga therapist yet. But I've been working on it for a long time. So making, like, prescriptive yoga is my jam, you know, because we all have different stuff going on. If you're familiar with astrology, like, you know, we all have a different birth chart. So even the current astrology that's always changing is going to impact individuals in different ways. And so yoga practices are like the kind of way we do that. And also people know, people have heard before, like yoga is healing. They know this, like yoga is healing. But obviously there's so much variety in yoga practices and the same yoga practices aren't going to be healing for everybody all the time. So what I do is help people figure out what yoga practices are going to be helpful for whatever they have going on. And astrology is a big factor in that. And you do private readings for people? Yeah, I've actually gotten away from those. I don't, I raise my prices on them (laughs) because I didn't want uh, to do them as much anymore. Like I didn't want it to be the bulk of what I do. I actually do more in a in a group sense, yeah. So I have like all kinds of free resources out on my website where you can start to learn your chart for yourself. Because what happens in a reading is, at least like the ones I've had, I've had a few and it felt like 
the astrologer was kind of like trying to flex their psychic muscles on me. Like I came with this specific question and they're like about my career and they're like telling me about my dad. I'm like, I know about my dad. Like I've been to therapy for that. You know, like I know I got daddy issues. I know it's all over my chart. Like that's not what I'm here to talk about. I know sometimes people come to astrology readings and they they want to be like wowed in that way. Like, wow, tell me something about myself that like you couldn't have known to like prove that astrology works, I guess. I just don't have much interest in doing that. So I switched away to more like I do them still. And really my prices are comparable with like a lot of other astrologers. But I'm like a much better way to work with me if you wanted to learn about how to use yoga practices for your own astrology would be um, to join my membership, which we have yoga classes every week, twice a week. We meet live, but you also get the recordings and a little online library. But then also I put out sign-by-sign versions, like horoscopes for the same like I put out an astrology podcast update every week. I live in a Christian area now. It's weird that I do this in such a very Christian place. My approach to astrology is like I'd rather teach you to fish than give you a fish. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather instead of read, like I like doing readings. They're fun. But I would rather do a reading for somebody that's like going to work with me ongoing in my membership so that I can like empower you to learn it for yourself rather than me just telling you about yourself like my whole approach is like let's teach you to learn your own chart so that it's not me bestowing something on you right that makes sense you mentioned living in a christian area tell me what that's like and how that affects your practices i mean so most a lot of what i do is online so i put it out there online but i do have a you know I I can't, like, doing what I do locally is not an option. I live in a town with, like, 2,000 people. Like, I've thought about that sometimes now that this sort of, like, pandemic is over. I'm like, this would never fly here. Rosemary, what would happen if the people in your community knew about your full practice? What what response do you think you would get from the community? I don't know. Um, I guess I'll find out. So my kids are really small now, but I'm like, when they go to like elementary school here, it might be a little weird. We'll see what happens. But I have this like normal seafront too, because my husband runs a very normal business. <laughs> like it's a construction business. And like, we're kind of known in the community for that too. We've got the stickers for his business all over our vehicles. So so there's that. But I also, so like my neighbors down the hill, like I mentioned earlier, I live like deep in a holler. So that's like, I can do whatever I want out here. There's like, um, we have 17 acres and there's just a mountain behind us. And so it's like nice and quiet here where we live. But my neighbors down the hill are, um, they are super Christian and they, and it's like, they're nice to us. We're friends with them. You know what I mean? There's not any like animosity. But I wonder sometimes because it says on my Facebook profile that I'm an astrologer (laughs) and we've interacted on Facebook before and they're super Christian. So like the wife stays home with their seven kids and the husband works and um, really the wife works too, but she's got the seven kids all the time and, and he does too. So they're like really nice people. So I'm not trying to like act like they're persecuting us or something or convey that message. But I do sometimes wonder, I'm like, what would they think? 
or what would they say? Maybe, you know, some Christians are like, we'll just bless them and move on. But others are like, more like that's not okay. I just feel like if your belief system is like so threatened by somebody else having a different belief system, that's like a red flag. Tell me a time that that may have happened to you where you felt that they did not approve. I, you know, nothing has happened because this is the thing about the mountains. Mountain people are like some kind of hardy kind of people. And like, we live half a mile up a dirt road. We have a neighbor with a tractor. If it snows out, our neighbor scrapes the whole road for everybody, even the part beyond his house. Like these people are really nice. And, or I guess I should say kind. I've heard this distinction before. Um, that nice, like Southern people are nice, but not always kind. And Northern people are kind, but not always nice. Like Northern people might be rude to you, but they would like scrape your drive, like shovel the snow for you. But Southern people, that's not always the case, but mountain people totally are, are very kind. And so same thing with our neighbors down the hill that are super Christian. I had a home birth with my nine month old daughter here in this house that I live in in the holler. And like my neighbor's a doula and she was like kind of helping out, you know what I mean? The super Christian one. And so that's what I'm like, they don't, there's nothing like on the surface where I would think that they'd care that I'm an astrologer, but I have to wonder. And I think that comes more from where I grew up, the brand of Christians that I grew up around. And like, I went to a Christian school and that brand of Christians would have my head on a platter. And bless my heart. What, what does that mean to you? I mean, when I can't teach the kind of yoga that I want to teach in person here too, like, I want to be very true. I'm like, if I'm going to teach yoga, that's why I do Vedic astrology too. I don't do Western astrology. So I use a sidereal zodiac. Some people get hung up on that. Like, whatever. I don't care. I do it on the internet. So there's enough people that don't get hung up on that for me to not focus on the ones that do. But um, I can't, I want to be true to like, the Vedic traditions, there's a lot of deities, right? And that's problematic. I can't like talk about all these deities if I were to teach a, a local yoga class. What I do instead is I go into Asheville where it's cool and fine, you know, like they, they're into that kind of stuff in Asheville, but out here in the holler, they're not. But um, I think like what, I don't know. It's just like, I, I wouldn't go there because I've seen in in yoga spaces where people are like how what like christian yoga they talk about christian yoga and can the two coexist christianity and yoga and i'm like yeah if you whitewash it sure but if you want to stay true to the vedas like the philosophy is tightly interwoven with deities monotheistic culture is so threatened by just hearing the myths of the deities then these things are just incompatible and I just won't go there. So that's what it is. Like, it's nothing like I'm not here stirring up shit, really, because the work I do is online. What makes Asheville so different from where you live? Asheville has always been a tourist destination. That's all it's ever been. It's only on the map because of the Biltmore Estate, the Vanderbilts, very ancient, rich family, ancient, I it's maybe not the right word, but this rich family from long ago, you know, the 1800s or something, built this big house here called the Biltmore Estate. And uh, so Asheville as a town, and then there's also the Grove Park Inn, which has been around just almost as long. So Asheville as a town has 
pretty much only ever existed as a vacation destination for rich people, extremely wealthy people. And that's what Asheville is. And so it has a lot of artists, which is like another thing I maybe shouldn't say. (laughs) Like the artists in Asheville kind of get offended sometimes because they're like, oh, the only economy here is like food and beverage. And I'm like, yeah, hospitality. Our only economy is tourism. And so it works really well for artists because that's why you can't just be an artist. It's a lot harder to be an artist in a small town that's in the middle of nowhere, like where I grew up, because there's only so many people there and they're, you know, not buying art in the same way that tourists are. So that's good. And then also like I work in tourism, leading yoga hikes for my friend's company. So it's like, I benefit from the tourist economy here, but some people are mad about it. But anyway, that leads to it being a pretty liberal place because it's just become known because of the Biltmore Estate and the Grove Park Inn as a vacation destination. Now it's like Beer City or whatever. I don't know. So I think I just think the evolution of Asheville came from it being a place where rich people come to spend money, which works really well for artists. So artists flock here to sell their art because they know it as an artist town, but it's an artist town because people that have buku bucks can buy their expensive art because they come here for vacation. And so I think that's why Asheville is this like weird bubble in the rest of Appalachia. So I live just north of Asheville, deep in Appalachia, and this town kind of resembles the rest of Appalachia. It's like poor, pretty poor, pretty country. You know what I mean? But I grew up in that, so I'm like fine with it. You know, you said you grew up in that. Tell us about your family of origin and how you were brought up. What was the faith in your home? Both of my parents were like Episcopalian, I guess, Um, which my mom always jokingly called basement Catholics or they're Catholics, but they're allowed to get divorced is the only difference between Episcopalians and Catholics. So that was a little more chill, but Episcopalians is very... very similar to Catholic in that there's like chanting and it's really boring for a kid. So I grew up because my family was super Christian. We went to church every Sunday, got all dressed up. I had the little lacy socks and the Mary Janes and whatever. But my friends, everybody on my little block that I grew up on were Southern Baptists. And so they, I saw, had, we didn't have Wednesday night church. Episcopalians didn't. We only had Sundays. And my friends had a Wednesday night church, and they were doing all kinds of fun stuff at Wednesday night church. So I would go with them. I would just ride with my friend that lived down the block to Wednesday night church, which was a Southern Baptist church. And I had a lot of fun with that. I was in their Christmas plays, and I loved being in the little plays and just doing the little youth programs. I was also in Bible drill, where we had to memorize Bible verses and go and compete at how perfectly we could recite the Bible verses with other kids. So that was just like a thing. I don't know. I grew up and it was fun until I went to that Christian school when I was in fifth and then sixth grade. And then they were on some weird stuff. We would miss like just whatever class we had on Wednesday mornings to go to chapel, which was at a church across the street. And they would do all kinds of weird stuff. And that just that culture kind of turned me off from religion. I started to question it. I was also like of the age where you start to question your parents, where you come from and stuff. Is this a school that your parents wanted you to go to or was this a school that you wanted to go to because that's what your friend did? I wanted to. My friend didn't even go there, but for whatever reason, I don't know why. I just got into my head that I like wanted to go there. You know what I mean? Like, and my mom was cool with it because 
I was starting fifth grade and my brother was starting sixth grade. And she, my mom's a lawyer. She was a prosecutor at the time. Now she's a defense attorney, but at the time she was a prosecutor and she prosecuted a ton of stuff out of the public middle school. And so she was like, maybe it'll be the best things if my son doesn't go there. Like maybe that's a good idea. And so she, she was like, okay, when I, I was me that proposed it. And so my mom was like, cool. And so both me and my brother went there. My brother went there for all of middle school. I went there for fifth and sixth grade. But that was, to make a long story short, I was just like, this is whack. So you started in the fifth grade. When did you start thinking it was whack? Probably in fifth grade because I went there again for sixth (laughs) grade. And by the middle of sixth grade, I was like, please let me go back to public school. (laughs) And my mom did. For seventh and eighth grade, I went back to public school while my brother stayed there until my brother came back to public school in high school. But yeah, my brother stayed there. What was it about that private school that you started thinking, this is whack. This is not what resonates with me. So it was the chapel on Wednesdays and we had a couple where people would come and speak in tongues and they would do like altar calls and they would do weird stuff at the altar calls and whatever. But that was fine. I think I was happy to be out of class as like a 11-year-old, I was like, whatever, I'd rather sit here and watch this weird stuff than be learning about math, you know? And But they also, we had Bible class. So I also liked the public school because, or I mean the private school, because they, ha- they had violin class and I played violin. That was part of why I wanted to go there. So I got to have a violin class during the day. But also we had Bible class and we read Left Behind, the book series or whatever. And they would talk about how evolution is not real. And I was like, they were teaching us this curriculum in science class about how like evolution is not real. And I was just like, I don't know, as a sixth grader, I was like, I can already tell this is like, be it. like there's a good case for evolution. You know what I mean? And in my brain, I think also because my parents were Episcopalian and Episcopalians are a little bit more open to science and religion coexisting than fundamentalist Baptists are. Um, and I was just like, why can't, why is your belief system so threatened by science? You know, like, why can't you still believe in God and spirituality and stuff? Do you have an answer for that? Why I think people's belief systems are threatened by science? For sure. I think it's because, you got me like saying some stuff I probably shouldn't say, but I will. Anyway, um, these are my beliefs though, too, is that Christianity evolved as there wasn't really government. There was like feudalism and it evolved. I don't really believe that people can be self-governing. Like once upon a time I was libertarian, but then I realized that people can't even put the shopping cart away, right? So obviously people can't be trusted to do something simple for the benefit of others. So anyway, I don't really believe that people can be self-governing. Like I think people need something to make them watch out for other people. Some direction. And not just care about themselves. But anyway, Christianity evolved out of that, out of like needing a system for government, right? And so that's kind of what it is. And that's kind of where it's evolved from. It was like government before there was government, you know, teaching people how to be and act and care for other people and be a decent human being. But then it evolved to this system of power and patriarchy. And I think there are folks that are really threatened by losing that inherent power that has just been bestowed on them because that's always been the system. 
I get the whole afterlife fear thing, but I'm also in recovery from like an opiate addiction. So I've been kind of like hell on earth, I guess you could say. I'll just worry about this lifetime before I worry about the next one, the afterlife or whatever that is. It's all I can handle right now. And congratulations on your recovery. Thanks. Yeah. So does your family know about your practices because they're not how you were raised? And my brother also, so he stayed at the Christian school longer than I did. And he also had a disillusionment with religion. Like we were both kind of raised in that. And he is now an engineer. So he's super into science. And so that's why he's like far the other way, super into science. So he thinks it's silly that I do astrology, whatever. I don't care. Like they know. But they don't care. I don't talk to them about it because it's not their belief system, but they don't care that that's what I do. You know what I mean? So they accept you as who you are. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. They're fine with it. I think they're also just like mostly happy that I'm not on drugs anymore. You know what I mean? They're like, whatever you want to do. Yeah. That's the least of our problems, right? (laughs) Yeah. Or yogi scopes is the least of our problems. Yeah, for sure. And my family's fine with it. None of them were the dogmatic ones. It was always, it was like the people of the town that I grew up in. But they're my friends, you know, my friends from school. If anything, it was very good exposure to learn about these other religions, your own religion and the Southern Baptist. I guess that's why I also, I'm very careful with now with teaching yoga. And so I do Vedic astrology because I want to be true to the yoga tradition, but I'm also always on the lookout for that kind of extreme dogmatism. It's a fine line to walk with trying not to be culturally appropriative versus just going into this patriarchal system of dogma. Why do we need that? Why can't we just be spiritual? But then there's also a very valid argument that some people take their spiritual practices and they're just kind of like co-opting these spiritual practices that, I don't know, that might be another conversation for another day. Your business is mainly online. So if someone in the audience is interested in reaching out to you, how can they find you? So I I would mostly recommend just checking out my podcast, the Yogi Scopes podcast. That's probably the best way to just get a feel for my work. And if you want to learn about Vedic astrology, I just post weekly astrology updates there. I have a separate podcast that I don't update weekly, but about twice a month I update that one called the science of light because that's what so jyotish is the sanskrit word for vedic astrology and that's one loose translation of jyotish can be translated to the science of light the process of trying to explain you know science behind spiritual stuff that i'm into and i have guests on there all the time so i use that used to be my primary thing and then i started doing the astrology updates and that takes up a lot of my time so now, I, the science of light is pretty much reserved for interviews. If you're into yoga and you want to learn more about the science behind yoga, I've also had astrologers on there before. Um, it's, but it's, it's a little more sciencey feeling. So yeah, that's where I would direct people if they want to get to know my work. But I also have, if you want to get your Vedic birth chart, if you're like curious, maybe you've heard there's like a different form of astrology. Your placements aren't your placements. There were these like sens- sensationalist articles about that kind of stuff. You can get your Vedic birth chart at my website yogiscopes.com slash chart. It's free. You can run your friend's chart. You can run as many times as you want. You can run your boyfriend's chart, your dog's chart, your mom's chart, whatever. There's a free worksheet that folks can get called the birth chart decoder so that you can start to make some sense of it because it does look very different 
than a Western birth chart is Y-O-G-I-S-C-O-P-E-S, Yogiscopes. Thank you. Horoscopes. Horoscopes for yogis. That sounds very interesting. It's fun. And we have a good community. I'm running a meditation challenge right now that's free for Mercury retrograde. So if folks want to join before Mercury retrograde is over, I'll be running it again. There's more Mercury retrogrades coming. So that'll be fun. It is fun. Do you, do you do this for every Mercury retrograde? This is the first time I've run it, but it has been so fun that I'm planning to because I decided that I was going to take the time off of social media. I was going to use the time of Mercury retrograde to be off of social media. So I'm running this Mercury retrograde challenge and we have a community app. It kind of is like a, a Facebook group, but it's not on Facebook. The support in there has been really good. People have been sharing their insights and struggles, and it's just been really beautiful to see the support come together. Is this a membership that you offer? Uh, the meditation challenge is free, but it's hosted on the same app where my paid membership is. And I'm letting the folks stay in there. Maybe in the future, uh, it will be a limited time thing. Like you can only be in there for the time of the meditation. Your members, where do they come from? Are they from all over the world, all over the country? Are they in your state? Uh, they're all over the world. One person joining the challenge is in Australia. Uh, one person of my memberships in Canada. Most of the rest of them are from the U.S., just various places in the U.S. Your online presence is probably the best place for you to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And eventually the plan is to have retreats out here, right? So people from online can come here and soak in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. And it really is, there's something magical about this area. Thank you, Rosemary. This has been wonderful. Is there anything else you would like the audience to know about yourself and your practices? Uh, just that mostly the whole reason I do any of this came out of that I was in recovery and I was like, why does this weird spiritual stuff, specifically yoga, work when I was bouncing in and out of rehabs and things and why does it work? So a lot of what I do is around emotional awareness and trauma healing. And that has a very real like evidence-based like science back. So I'm out here in woo-woo land a lot talking about astrology, but this is real. <laughs> this is like real healing and there's like evidence for it. So that's important to me. And I just hope that other folks feel more comfortable using whatever practices they use, yoga, astrology, whatever witchy things that you do. Uh to get more in touch with yourself. That's the point. So that you can know why you behave the way you do so that you can be the person you want to be. That's it. That's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Thank yep. you, Rosemary. It's been nice having you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for Witch Casting with Theodora Pendragon. Have a burning question or have a topic you'd love Theodora and her guests to discuss on the show? Contact her through Instagram at Theodora Pendragon. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And help us spread the word by leaving us a rating and review and sharing it with your friends. See you next time and may your magic always shine.